If you've been looking for a comprehensive Bible school curriculum that explores redemptive realities in Jesus Christ grounded in the Word of God, look no further. The goal of this podcast is to spread the life-transforming Word of God throughout the world for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry and to build up the body of Christ in what Jesus has accomplished for us through His death, burial, resurrection, and seating at the right hand of God the Father. There's such an untapped potential for Christians to enter into their glorious inheritance in Jesus Christ. Together we will discover what Jesus has done for us by providing such a great salvation and how to appropriate the promises of God in our lives. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 31, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Each podcast season will cover one of the books that I have compiled over the years. You can find a complete listing of my Christian education material on my website at www.wordinspire.com. You're welcome to download these ebooks for free in PDF format for your own personal or ministry use. So let's explore these biblical truths and principles together that will absolutely transform our lives. God bless. Welcome to the Gospel series, The Parables of Jesus, The Two Debtors, referenced in Luke chapter 7, verse 41 to 43. The theme is about the comparison of a heart of gratitude between a prostitute and a Pharisee. The context is Jesus was invited to dinner at a Pharisee's house to be scrutinized. Let's look at Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in the town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Jesus' feet anointed by a prostitute It took an amazing amount of courage for this woman to do this in front of all of those men. In a small town in Judea, everyone knew everybody. She was no doubt an outcast. Clearly, her desire for forgiveness was greater than what others thought about her. Galatians 1.10 Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. A great lesson to be learned here is about the fear of man which is a snare to the soul, according to Proverbs 29.25. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Fear of what other people might think or do has kept many from the kingdom of God. The threat of losing one's prestige, position, or rank, perhaps fear of bodily harm. Satan uses intimidation and bullying techniques to cause people to shrink back. Unfortunately, that is why persecution is so effective. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 to 39. In John chapter 12, verse 42, it states, 
Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise from men more than praise from God. Luke 12 verse 4. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after killing the body, has power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. When we come to the Lord, it's a total abandonment of our reputation. What others might think. To be a follower of Jesus is an all-or-nothing proposition. Some countries, you will be martyred for your faith. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, Jesus said, Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This sinful woman represents the truly sold-out, all-the-way, Jesus-or-bust kind of repentance. She knew Jesus was a controversial figure, but was unashamed to acknowledge him. Like the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. In Luke chapter 12, verse 8, Jesus said, I tell you, whoever acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. But he who disowns me before men will be disowned before the angels of God. Luke chapter 9, verse 26. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Now, there is a godly fear that the Bible talks about. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Proverbs 8.13 To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Romans chapter 12 verse 9 Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. We are talking about a reverential awe, respect, love, and devotion for the Lord. We serve an awesome God. Daniel chapter 7 verse 9 through 10. Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 25 to chapter 2 verse 2. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1 through 8. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Now that's the fear of the Lord. Now what we see with this woman is a beautiful display of repentance. Alabaster jar of perfume is a very rare and expensive gift reserved for the only rarest of occasions. She was holding nothing back. In humility and tears, she expresses a pure repentant heart. By the way, Jesus' feet was dirty and stinky from wearing sandals in a hot and dusty land because the Pharisee that was hosting that meal didn't even bother to do the customary washing of Jesus' feet. But that didn't matter to this woman. She had only one thing on her mind, and that was Jesus. Acts 3.19 Repent, then, and return to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Acts 20.21 I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Concerning the sinful woman, we learn a great lesson in repentance. According to the Bible, it is the prerequisite to salvation. 
To repent simply means to turn and go in another direction. It is a tearing of the heart and regret, not being sorry we got caught, but wanting to change and asking for help. Joel chapter 2 verse 12, even now it declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rent your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Acts 17.29 Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. John the Baptist and Jesus preached a message of repentance, turn from sin to God. That is not just lip service, but backed up by forsaking sin. Matthew 3 verse 8, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Matthew 4 17, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. The sinner is to come to Christ just as they are with a willingness of heart to leave sin. A sinner can't stop sinning, that is their nature, but they have to want to be free from it. A drunkard can't come to Christ with the intent to remain a drunkard and have Jesus too. It's an all or nothing thing. We come to Jesus to be born again so we can be free from sin and leave that old life entirely. As a result, eternal life operating in our spirit produces the fruit of righteousness. 1 John chapter 3 verse 9. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. Acts 26.20 I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. What's interesting here is to see the contrast between the sinful woman repenting and the self-sufficient Pharisee. In Luke chapter 7 verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man was a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. The problem with our me-centric, narcissistic society today is that there is no awareness of sin. There is an epidemic of narcissism and a preoccupation with self. It's all about me. We are plagued with the philosophy of relative moralism, though this is nothing new. Psalms 36.2 For in his own eyes he flatters himself too much to detect or hate his own sin. Judges 17 verse 6 In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Without a revelation that people are lost in their sin, why would they want to seek a savior? The attitude today is, I'm okay, you're okay, so let's just all hold hands and feel good. The secular progressive religion of today exalts man and excludes God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 3, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The problem is that people are deceived and blinded from seeing the truth. I mean, who in their right mind would deliberately want to go to hell anyways? Hell was made for the devil and his angels, not for mankind. 
People go there by choice, by rejecting God's great salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Matthew 25.41 In Romans 7.7 7 it states, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had said, Do not covet. The law, or Ten Commandments, was given to identify what sin is and our sinfulness. The purpose of the law was to lead us to Christ, our Savior. Even those folks who have never heard still have a conscience, according to Romans chapter 2, verse 12 through 16. The law was a perfect standard to represent God's holiness, but designed to frustrate mankind, to show their desperate need for a Savior. Galatians chapter 3, verse 19, verse 22 and verse 22 to 24. What then was the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. But the scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin, so that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 in the Amplified, The heart is deceitful above all things, and it is exceedingly perverse and corrupt and severely mortally sick. Who can know it, perceive, understand, be acquainted with his own heart and mind? It is impossible for mankind to save themselves, but not with God. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 17 to 18. I love what it states in Matthew chapter 19 verse 25. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. With God all things are possible. Thank God for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit when the gospel is preached, as we read in John 16 verse 7. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. The unbeliever being convicted of their need for Jesus is what is meant by being enlightened according to Hebrews 6 verse 4. The Holy Spirit reveals their need for Jesus, that they are lost without Him. It's like a divine appointment that people have only a few times in their lifetime to accept Jesus. For some people, they may have only one opportunity to receive the Lord, where the invitation is made and the Holy Spirit is drawing them to receive Jesus. John 6.65 Jesus went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. Acts 13.48 When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. 2 Corinthians 6.1 As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. As Jesus said in Matthew 16.26, What can a man give in exchange for his soul? This is the most important and pressing question for humanity today, the meaning of life. What are we going to do with Jesus? 
We can either accept him, reject him, or ignore him. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 2 For if the message spoken by angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. John 3.36 Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Psalms 9 verse 17 The wicked return to the grave, and all the nations that forget God. The two men who owed money. Luke chapter 7 verse 40. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Now, a denarii was a small silver coin in Roman currency. The image of the emperor, like for example Augustus, would be stamped upon it. He reigned from 27 BC to 14 AD. The Bible refers to it as a day's wage. Matthew 20 verse 2, John chapter 12 verse 5. For example, 300 denarii was equivalent to one year's wages. So 500 denarii is comparable to one and a half year's wages versus 50 denarii, almost two months. Being in debt in ancient times was a very serious matter. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 25, Jesus said, Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. If you are unable to pay your obligations, you can be put in debtor's prison. You would have to stay there until someone would pay off your debt and release you. Or you and your entire family would be sold into slavery to pay off the debt. There was no bankruptcy or consumer credit counseling options in those days. Matthew 18.23 Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Jesus used that parable to illustrate the measure of gratitude in relation to the amount of sin forgiven. Yet it seems irrelevant if one sinned more than the other because the penalty is still the same. Jesus was describing the relative perception people have in relation to the forgiveness of sin. Again, whether a person only committed one sin or one million, still they both deserve going to hell. James 2.10 For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Romans 3 verse 9 and verse 22 to 24 What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. There is no difference, for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God, and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. As this encounter comes to a conclusion, Jesus makes an incredible point about that He who is forgiven much, loves much. In Luke chapter 7 verse 44, 
Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Notice that the Pharisee did not even provide the most basic of courtesies to Jesus. Having a servant wash his stinky and dirty feet, since they recline with feet raised at the table. A complimentary kiss or greeting is given to guests to welcome them, perfumed oil to anoint a person's head to smell and look good. Yet Jesus, the Son of God, was honored not by the religious establishment, but by a sinner. That is why Jesus came, to call sinful humanity to repentance. The problem with religious people, they think they are righteous and don't need any help. As a result, they are arrogant and sanctimonious. Jesus made a point to expose the hypocrisy in Matthew chapter 9 verse 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now it's faith that gets the job done. In Luke chapter 7 verse 48, Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus, being God, obviously was able to forgive sins. This was a revelation for them. There's another example of faith expressed resulting in forgiveness, and that's the paralyzed man in Mark chapter 2, verse 4 through 12. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. In the context of this story, it was the woman's love that released her faith. Galatians 5, verse 6 in the Amplified. For if we are in Christ Jesus, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith, activated and energized and expressed and working through love. This same caliber of faith that does not take no for an answer reminds me of another story. The woman with an issue of blood, she had risked her life and being stoned to death in public to get her healing. In Matthew 9 verse 20, just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, If I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. I highly encourage you to continue listening to the Word of Life Study Series podcast and encourage your friends to tune in as well. The scriptures encourage us in Acts chapter 17 verse 11 to receive the message with great eagerness and to examine the scriptures every day in order to confirm the truth that you're hearing. God's Word is our final authority for all matters that pertain to life and godliness. I'd like to close this episode by praying over you according to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart 
may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when God raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And in chapter 2, verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Be blessed and see you soon.